This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where a lot has happened since we spoke on Friday. For starters, Florida now has 4,950 confirmed cases of coronavirus and 60 fatalities. And the president has backed away from his earlier statements about wanting people back at work by Easter. He now says social distancing guidelines issued by the CDC will remain in effect until the end of April. Law enforcement checkpoints have now been set up on Interstate 95 to catch New Yorkers entering the Sunshine State and on Interstate 10 in the Panhandle to stop anyone driving here from Louisiana. New York City and New Orleans are two hotspots for coronavirus. The National Guard is also stationed at Florida's largest airports where they're greeting flights from the New York City area and informing travelers they have to self-isolate for 14 days if they stay. The governor says that's already paid off by reducing the flow of coronavirus refugees. On Saturday, the Florida Surgeon General blasted out a text through the state's public safety alert system advising everyone 65 and older and anyone with underlying medical issues to stay home for the next two weeks. South Florida Congressman Ted Deutsch says that's not enough. During a town hall meeting conducted by conference call, he asked the governor to issue a stay-at-home order for everyone in Florida. And the president of the American College on Emergency Physicians agrees. On the Sunrise interview, you'll hear from Dr. William Jaquist, who says the next two weeks are critical for the Sunshine State. We'll also have your daily calendar of events and check in with Florida Man. One of them stole hundreds of dollars worth of women's lingerie. The other used a forklift to break into a department store and steal a conveyor belt. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, March 30th. Welcome to the Barricade State. The National Guard is now teaming up with local sheriffs to screen drivers coming here from New York on Interstate 95 and from New Orleans on Interstate 10. It's a follow-up to last week's order from Governor Ron DeSantis requiring anyone flying here from the New York City area to self-isolate once they arrive. Anyone who refuses can face up to 60 days in the county jail. Because we have put in the 14-day self-isolation requirement, you have seen a dramatic reduction in air traffic uh, from the New York City area uh, to the state of Florida, particularly the number of passengers that are on a lot of these, these aircrafts. And I'm happy to report Florida's also led the way on this because the state of Texas also implemented something very similar to what we did. So we were happy about that. And all we're trying to do is keep our uh, residents here safe. Uh, if you have, you're coming from one of the epicenters, uh, we probably think you should follow the directions of your state and local officials. And if they're telling you to shelter in place, then do that. Uh, but don't, don't come here because we're uh, trying to protect our folks. Once we did the New York order, we got a lot of interest in, or, or actually I had people ask me in the Florida panhandle about how we could do something similar given what's going on in New Orleans. Uh, there's a fear that as New Orleans becomes more of a hot spot that you could have an influx of people into the Florida panhandle from Louisiana. Uh, so I will be adding to my New York executive order. Uh, we will be uh, requiring the same for travelers from uh, New Orleans, uh, Louisiana, and other parts of Louisiana uh, to self-isolate for 14 days. Uh, we are going to be authorizing uh, the use of checkpoints um, on the roads coming into Florida for the, the counties and the Florida Highway Patrol. Uh, and again, this is just a way to make sure that we're keeping people safe. Uh, some of these areas, I mean, New Orleans is, is, is obviously got a lot of problems. Uh, it may not be quite as widespread as New York City, uh, but I think there was a concern in the panhandle that this could impact them. Uh, they're working hard to keep their rates low, uh, so we don't want to add any problems for them. So, so we're empowering them to do that. Now, that will not apply to any of the commercial transportation, as there's a lot of key things that are being brought to Florida and to other states. So that's not going to be impacted. Uh, 
another thing that kind of followed from that was we're going to suspend for two weeks any vacation, new vacation rentals in the state of Florida. Uh, again, the concern is people in some of these hot spots wanting to then come here. Uh, now's not really the time to do that. So the vacation rentals will be suspended for two weeks. If you're in one now, then you know f- finish and, and go home. But for any new rentals, there's going to be a suspension on that. And we appreciate the assistance of people. Again, we're just trying to, to keep people safe. DeSantis says his order forcing visitors from New York City to self-isolate once they arrive is already having the intended effect. Every time they come in, they're now met by National Guard and Department of Health personnel. Uh, They're screened, they provide information, and they are given the instructions about Um, self-isolation. This is actually already borne fruit. There was a traveler from New York to Jacksonville uh, who was on a flight and had previously tested positive for COVID-19. And um, he had his symptoms abated, so he thought it was okay to fly. Turns out the symptoms came back. So he was intercepted when he came through the checkpoint, uh, and he was diverted to go to, to a hospital. And so that's something that I think uh, helps protect Floridians, and I think that that's something that, that is very, very um, good. Now, in terms of, and, and this is just something with, if you look at all the flights going on throughout the country, if you look at FlightAware, you see all these flights everywhere, and um, you know we're either trying to fight this virus or we're not. And the more people are being shuttled around all over the country, I just think it makes it more difficult. And so we've done what we could here with, with New York City, and we're also doing the same uh, with the New Orleans hotspot, which is, you know, I think this virus had been tra- circulating throughout the country, probably in February. Mardi Gras was probably a big deal. I think it really spread in New Orleans. You know, we're obviously rooting hard for New Orleans to do well. What we don't want is for people to flee that hot zone and potentially bring the virus here. The governor's constant complaints about visitors from New York apparently led to Donald Trump's announcement on Twitter that he was considering a quarantine of developing hotspots, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. The Washington Post says the president's aides spent time Saturday explaining to him that quarantine would be impossible to enforce and could cause even more problems, and eventually he relented. He asked the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to issue a strong travel advisory for the area instead of a quarantine. For now, Governor DeSantis says he has no intention of issuing any sort of statewide lockdown, and South Florida Congressman Ted Deutsch says that is wrong. He hosted a town hall meeting by teleconference that included more than 10,000 people listening on the phone and 1,600 more on Facebook. And Deutsch called on DeSantis to do what so many other governors have done in the fight against coronavirus. Governor DeSantis has taken some significant significant steps to address the crisis. Uh, There is still a significant step that I have urged him to take, uh, which is a statewide stay-at-home order, a policy that I believe is imperative to stop the silent spread of this virus. It's a policy that's now in place in more than half of the states in this country. Uh, Instead, we have a a patchwork of different policies across the state. Broward County and and Miami-Dade County have issued orders urging residents to stay at home when possible. Cities have done the same. Uh, We need clear direction at the state level to help us maximize the effort to flatten the curve and prevent the, the huge crush on our healthcare system. We don't know how much the virus is spreading uh, because we're not testing enough. In a state like ours where people go between different cities all the time, uh, we can't rely on different localities to respond differently. So we need to do more. We need a way to get results faster than four days or five days or 10 days which unfortunately is what I've heard from from some constituents and healthcare providers. The next two weeks are critical, which is why uh, if we act today, if the governor could act today uh, to require 
not to encourage, not to suggest that it's a good idea, but to require uh, Floridians to stay safe by staying at home, uh, we would be taking an enormous step to try to push down on that curve and prevent this from, uh, from causing even more deaths. DeSantis is sticking to his guns on that lockdown. He says Floridians have already done enough and they're being put at risk by people traveling here from other states. You have Floridians across the state who are sacrificing tremendously. I mean, the schools are closed. You know, you can't go to a restaurant. You look at South Florida, it's basically entirely locked down. Uh, people don't have very many outlets uh, throughout the state. Many people have, been, have lost their jobs. Other businesses have had to close. So these are major sacrifices that the people of Florida are making in order to slow the, the spread of COVID-19. How is it fair to them to just be airdropping in people from the hot zones, bringing infections with them and seeding the communities with new infections that they're trying to stamp out. So it's not fair to the people of Florida to do it. So um, I think that the folks in New York City are working incredibly hard. You look at the folks in the hospitals, uh, you look at the, the folks that, you know, the governor and everybody in the agencies, you know, they're working hard. You know, we're rooting for their success uh, 100%. Uh, but we also just think it's bad policy uh, to have people dispersing from there and then seeding other parts of the country, including the state of Florida. We've got a lot. We're the third biggest state in the country. We're the number three for international travel in the country, pretty close to New York and California in terms of international travelers. Uh, you know, we've got some major metro areas. So, so we've got a lot of things that we've got to be doing uh, in the state of Florida. And I think it would make it a lot easier, you know, if we didn't have folks uh, coming in from hot zones where they very well may be carrying uh, the virus. But since we've instituted our policies, you have seen a big decline in the number of people that have come. Uh, you've seen a decline in the number of flights. And I think that that's appropriate uh, for, for, for the time being. The latest stats show Broward and Miami-Dade lead the state in coronavirus cases per capita. Scott Powers with Florida Politics did the math and found they're averaging about 4.3 cases for every 10,000 residents. What is surprising is that Sumter, Monroe, Alachua, and Collier counties are fairly close behind. They've had fewer cases but also have much lower populations. Something else has changed since we talked. Congress has passed a massive $2.2 trillion response to the coronavirus. Congressman Deutsch says there's money for people who lost their jobs and for average Americans struggling to make ends meet. There's direct financial assistance individuals with an adjusted gross income of up to $75,000 will receive $1,200. And married couples with an adjusted gross income up to $150,000 will receive $2,400. Uh, plus an additional $500 per child. For a, a crisis of this scale, uh, Americans simply need cash assistance now to help keep food on the table and to keep bills paid. Uh, I had uh, advocated strongly that this be more than a one-time payment since it's clear this is going to go on for more than just one month, but uh, this is an important first, a really critically important first step, and I'm glad that Congress was able to come together to do it. Secondly is extended uh, and beefed up unemployment benefits. In addition to that check, uh, we've got to help those who lost their job because of what's happening now. And so in this bill, individuals who have lost their jobs can receive an additional $600 per week in unemployment insurance benefits for up to four months. And if an individual has already used the maximum state benefits, they can get 13 additional weeks funded by the federal government this is a big deal here in Florida, especially because uh, our state-level unemployment insurance benefits are shamefully low, 
Uh, this week, I called upon the governor to expand Florida's benefits to help those facing unemployment because of this crisis. While the politicians argue, the medical professionals are speaking with a single voice, and they are nowhere near as upbeat. Next on the Sunrise Interview, you'll hear from the president of the American College of Emergency Physicians. This is Sunrise from Florida Politics. Welcome back to Sunrise. Our guest today is Dr. William J. Quist. He is the Senior VP for the East Florida Division of Envision Health and President of the American College of Emergency Physicians. He's also one of the people who took part in Congressman Deutsch's town hall teleconference on coronavirus. And the very first thing on his mind is the lack of personal protective gear for healthcare workers. This is a continued problem, unfortunately, we see playing out in New York and in and those highly uh, infected areas, uh, the, the catastrophe of not having appropriate protective equipment, including the, the masks that we wear and also the ventilators. Um, and, of course, a lot of the things that we're talking about in terms of how we are socially distancing and the stay-at-home orders are, are to give us time. Uh, the president's come on and talked a lot about production and his work with companies and the Defense Production Act, and you've seen all of those uh press events, and, but it takes time. It takes time for those things to be uh, manufactured. It takes time for them to be distributed. It takes time for them to get to the bedside. And a lot of the work uh, that we're doing it requires it both to make sure you're all safe, but also to make sure we have our healthcare workers in place to be able to do those things. And, and so uh, the one thing I would say to a lot of you who have businesses out there who have converted your business in a way to try and help out we certainly greatly appreciate the work that you're doing in a in a very stressful time uh, in trying to help out on this uh, on this healthcare crisis that we're in now. Testing uh, is, uh, as the congressman said, the ability to test is growing, which is fantastic. Uh, I would say at this point we're also working with a lot of backlog, so both through private and public sectors, through their alternative sites, or through what we do at the hospitals. We're trying to work through some of that backlog of people that may be in the hospital but could go home if they could get a test, may be able to go safely go back to a skilled nursing facility if they can get a test, and all of those other pieces of it, and also making sure that those who might have been exposed as employees quickly can be tested so that both they're safe uh, to work but also uh, are clearly um, free of disease that, that prevent it from passing on to anybody else in their communities. So the testing is in, improving and increasing. Uh, as uh, as the congressman said, there was this new test uh, that is a point-of-care type test that has been approved, but it'll take a while also for that distribution down to the actual level. Uh, and even when that happens, having the supplies, making sure they're correct also mean we have to figure out what we can do and who's most at risk to be tested as we do that. Uh, in terms of social distancing, you know, there's a lot of discussion about this right now. Uh, but again, from a medical point of view, this is crucial to make sure all of the things we talked about in terms of testing and protection for our healthcare workers and those who work alongside them, our, our supplies, our physicians, our enough to support this whole health the this whole healthcare work on this particular disease and and so that's why this needs to continue. Uh, I know we've heard about low risk zones and high risk zones, certainly down here in South Florida, as we see the growth in the in the uh, number of cases, 
I would not think we were a low-risk area, and uh, certainly we are adjacent to those that might be deemed so, but it's too soon to really decide what the impact of all that is until we start to see some change in the number of cases. And, and so until we start to see that, uh, it's crucial that we continue with those stay-at-home and social distancing practices uh, until we start to see that we can get a little more control of this. Really, the only way to stop the spread is to uh, stop the spread of disease by these social distancing measures. We are quite a ways away from uh, vaccine, and we are we are quite a ways away from having any good treatments. Right now, uh, some of the treatments you hear about are mitigating. They won't cure the disease, but they are they may stop it. Uh, but they're still um, in trial phases to be sure they actually work and to be sure they'll be effective without any serious side effects. I would tell you then some of these areas that have a marked increase, uh, like New York, certainly at this point in time, they are doing testing on some of these to see what works and will be able to help us as we all go along where our own individual sites are. Just the last uh, part on the volumes and the curve, uh, We've seen these pop-ups in, in different areas, different sites, and I think we'll continue to see that. In South Florida at this point in time, we're certainly on the upslope of that curve, which means over the next few weeks are crucial in, in determining how this course goes. Um, one thing I would say is a little concern we have as well. Our volumes in our emergency departments are down, which is fantastic to combat this disease, but certainly if you truly have an illness or an injury, please don't avoid care. We're hearing some terrible stories across the country about people who may have delayed care that needed to uh, happen because of this. So uh, avoid what doesn't need to come to our emergency department. Speak with your physicians and health officers, but if you need care, uh, certainly come and we'll take good care of you and try and uh, keep you safe. Uh, as a last part, I, think, I guess I would say to all of you on the phone and extended, uh, thank you for your continued outpouring of support in many ways, whether it's your social distancing, whether it's the change in your businesses, whether it's your uh, heartfelt thanks for the work that we are all doing on the front lines. It's, it's important to all of us to hear that as we try and go through these very concerning times, as uh, both as Americans and also as healthcare workers. Along with his work at the American College of Emergency Physicians, Dr. Jayquist is also an attending physician at Aventura Medical Center in Miami-Dade County, which leads the state in the number of confirmed cases of coronavirus. Your calendar of events starts with the 4th Judicial Circuit Judicial Nominating Commission. They'll be interviewing applicants to fill a vacancy created by the retirement of Circuit Judge Linda McCallum. The applicants will be interviewed in person, with members of the public able to watch remotely. The University of South Florida Board of Trustees will hold a conference call at 1.30 to talk about issues relating to preeminence data. The University of Florida Board of Trustees will hold a conference call at 3 to receive a briefing about UF's response to the coronavirus. U.S. Congresswoman Donna Shalala of Florida will speak about the federal response to coronavirus during a webinar at 4 hosted by the LGBTQ advocacy group that's known as SAVE. And U.S. Representative Charlie Crist and State Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed are holding a telephone town hall about the coronavirus pandemic at 645. And it's time once again for the adventures of Florida men, including a panty raid at Dillard's and a burglary by forklift at Ross. 
A Florida man is accused of stealing a forklift so he could break into a store and steal a conveyor belt. It's one of those portable accordion-style conveyor belts that are used to move large quantities of boxes. Surveillance video showed a man using the forklift to open the back loading door of a Ross department store in Tallahassee. Officers went to a nearby construction site where the forklift was stored and found signs of a break-in. While they were there, 53-year-old Scott Herndon drove up on the forklift. He's charged with grand theft, burglary, and criminal mischief. Finally, a Florida man is caught stealing hundreds of dollars worth of ladies' lingerie from a Dillard's in Brevard County. Deputies say 29-year-old Ray Ray Long put the lingerie in a backpack while inside a fitting room at the Merritt Square Mall and then dashed through the store, ignoring an officer's command to stop. The deputy ran after him and caught the guy. The deputy also found $836.88 worth of lingerie in the backpack. Long is facing charges of grand theft and resisting arrest without violence. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.